most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. This is Tracy Sable. Join me for the latest news and analysis from a Catholic perspective on EWTN News Nightly. I'm Colm Flynn, EWTN News Rome correspondent. This is Raymond Arroyo, host of The World Over. I do a lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or of yes. an agenda that people don't want to talk mm-hmm. about. Monse Alvarado. I pray that EWTN News in Depth will help the everyday life of everyday Catholics by bringing them the news that matters to them. For the Catholic News Agency, I'm Jonah McKeown. Joan Lewis. I'm your Vatican Insider. I bring you the news about the Pope, Vatican City, the work of the Roman Curia, and much more. Get trusted Catholic news every day on EWTN Television and Radio. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. How are you, sir? This is Pierre. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you, Dr. Ray the Great. Well, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just like my father. I don't think you should feel helpless. You are helpless. Doctor, I really appreciate that. That makes me feel a lot better. You be at peace, or else I'm going to yell at you. Trying to find a reason to speak to you. I think you're the best thing since sliced bread. That Ray, he's something. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there. They don't know what I can possibly do. I don't either. I'm getting my money worth, I think, at this phone call. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. How can you go from, I don't know what you should do, to I'm getting my money's worth for this phone call? If I've given you no advice, and you're getting your money's worth, what does that say about the quality of my advice? Just the thought. I'd like to be me analyzing everything like that. I got this, um, this is the four stages of life. We had to do... When I was in grad school, we had to, you know, develop personality theories, and we did the history of personality theories, which is always an attempt to explain theoretically a broad thing like personality. Well, here's four stages of life. You believe in Santa Claus. You don't believe in Santa Claus. You are Santa Claus. You look like Santa Claus. I'm I, look out. I'm moving into that fourth stage. I got to be real careful there. This is the doctor is in. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. Program been on the air for quite some time. Probably have eight or ten, maybe twelve really good shows during those many, many years we've been on. This is the Monday version. It is E-Person Monday, where I attempt, because I get as many E-People as I get calls, sometimes more. Um, Many of those are engendered. Ooh, can you use that word? Engendered? by the TV show, Living Right with Dr. Ray, because people see it, and my producer says, we want to hear from you. And sometimes we take those calls, and we have a segment on the program called Around the Country, where we'll take, in the first the first 20 minutes of the program, we will take one of the e-persons from around the country. But we get an awful lot. I get an awful lot through my website contact page. And we have reserved Mondays, generally, for answering or or you know answering is is kind of a constricted way of putting it uh, analyzing maybe is a better way because i i certainly enjoy reading between the lines of the e-persons 
Why do I call them that? Because I don't want to say email. How patriarchal. How linguistically insensitive. Always trying to be empathic and insensitive. Um, that I, I want to understand the e-person. And I stop and I pause and I make a comment on a line or two or I try to relate one line to a line previously five sentences ago, which is something which that's what you do in therapy. That's part of what makes therapy so hard because you got to listen really hard. You got to you got to remember what somebody said 12 minutes ago and how it might tie into what they're saying now. Or you you want to go in a certain direction to ask a question so that they will say what you would like to have said, but it sounds better coming from them because they own it. You know, that's therapy 101. But if you can't get them to do that, then you just have to instruct. And a lot of my counseling is instruction now. I have to admit that. It, it truly is. Because given that the average amount of therapy sessions that somebody comes to is anywhere between, I don't know, three and five, pretty much what it is. So, you know, this whole idea of lifelong therapy or three-year-long therapy, that's quite unusual, quite unusual. Okay, so before I jump into the e-persons, a topic that comes up here a lot, and I get an awful lot of people calling me for appointments regarding this topic, is adult children, generally young adult children, 20s, maybe 30s, as I get older, 40s as young adult, who have not only put distance between them and their parents, but they have rejected their upbringing. Or they blame the parents. They, they find something in their upbringing that they point to as saying, the reason I'm having these troubles in life is because of A, or B and C. Now, sometimes it's vague and generic, because of the way you raised me, which all too often means, given the select group of clients that I often see, which all too often means religiously. You raised me with a moral compass. You raised me in a religious home. I've decided to walk away from that religion or water it down, or change it, or do whatever I want to do with it, and that's why I'm unhappy. That's why I struggle. That is why my life is not going the way I want it to go, because you blew it. That's the message. Now, that is a very guilt-provoking message for parents who are so vulnerable. I did. I can't believe I did. What did I do? I tried so hard. I wanted to be good. I tried to help them. Now they're turning on me. All right, now, <clears throat> a couple of observations about this. One, the kids are reflecting our over-psychologized culture. We've got to find the psychological explanation for why I am the way I am and who, who most likely to point to but those folks who I lived with for 18 or 20 years. It's them. But there's something else I've noticed. I've seen a direct relationship between... How much a young adult is messing up their life and how heavily they blame a parent or parents. I've been noticing that. I think it is a correlation. 
the more unhappy I am, the more fragmented my existence, the more very, very bad choices I've piled one upon another, the more likely I am to point my finger at mom and or dad. I got to admit, I don't very often come across an attitude of, I am messing up my life despite how well my parents tried to raise me. I think I would be shocked hearing that one. Why the propensity to blame? Simple. It's not me. I'm not responsible. I'm not doing this. Life is conspiring against me. And my parents set everything in motion. My parents who did this. Now, I'm going to tell any of you listening... I'll make it real straightforward. Do not be emotionally bullied by that. I'm very confident that pretty much anybody listening to me did not set out to say, let me see if I can mess up my kid so that it comes to full fruition when he's an adult. Did you? But Dr. Ray, I wasn't the parent I should have been. Okay. Okay, I got that. Who is the parent they should have been, huh? First of all, we're human. We have foibles, we have faults. We have short-sightedness. We have emotions, we have overreactivity. Okay, we got that. However, most of you listening to me tried. You were well-intentioned. You wanted to raise a morally responsible, mature human being. And to watch that human being not only turn on the way they were raised, but to turn on you is at the very least perplexing, and it's at the very worst torturous. Torturous? Torturing? Tormenting? One of those T words. Do not, do not, do not. It's like the Bible. You know, you have to repeat it because if you want the maximum superlative. Allow yourself to be bludgeoned by these kinds of accusations. If you want to say I wasn't the parent I could have been, then go ahead and say it. But that is a major distance from saying I am solely responsible for the way this child is. My wife pointed out the other day, as someone was acknowledging something about their daughter who was as living quite differently than the way she was raised. And my wife said, who would say, I am my mother? In other words, that only the influence of my mother is what made me the way I am. Huh? Anybody that knows anything about personality knows that it's a big mix between nature, wiring, experiences outside the home, Spiritual embracing, history, circumstances. Maybe she ran into a bad guy. The bad guy influenced her. And she left her, her husband and two children. Is that mom's fault? And then when her life unravels and falls apart after that, is that mom's fault? I, the, the more I see of this, the less likely I am to even remotely think that it is 
at the least in any way healthy to scour and go and look at the past and say, I, I guess I guess maybe it is me. The vast majority of cases is not you. And the person who is most likely to blame you, as I said, is the one whose life is probably the most unhappy, the most fragmented, the most turbulent. I'm Dr. Ray. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Goretti here. My wife and I have used Seton Home Curriculum for our homeschooling. One of the great things about it, you learn about your faith, not just in religion, but history and English and science and reading. Their curriculum uses saints as role models. I don't think they've used me yet. Children are prepared to rationally explain and defend their faith. It permeates the instruction. You want to give your kids not only a top-notch education, but an understanding of their faith as it permeates the subjects that matter in their lives. I don't know if there's too much better than Seton Homeschooling. We used it a lot. You are the best teacher for all of that. Let Seton get right beside you and give you the material you need. Go to setonhome.org. Setonhome.org. Assisi, Orvieto, Rome, and much more. Seven nights in Italy for under $3,500. That's right. Hi, it's Teresa Tamio from Catholic Connection and Tease Italy. And yes, you heard correctly. Act now and take advantage of our special offer for our premier Tease Italy pilgrimage this November. La Dolce Fide, the sweetness of faith, November 6th to the 14th. We'll walk in the footprints of St. Francis, St. Clair, and St. Peter while savoring the sights and sounds and the beauty of Italy, including learning about Eucharistic miracles in Orvieto. We'll go to Viterbo, where the first papal conclave took place, and Greccio, where Francis established the very first scratch. This land-only package is filling up quickly, so take advantage of the savings and book by May 31st. Go to AveMariaRadio.net, our travel section, or call Corporate Travel now at 800-727-1999. Again, AveMariaRadio.net, our travel section, or call 800-727-1999. Ciao, and hope to see you in Bella Italia in November. I was going to do something here that I thought was really cute when it was sent to me, but I uh, I can't. I want to go. I want to go straight to the person. Much of the time, I I don't necessarily deal with e persons that are distinctly of a faith question nature. I mean, I like them, and as I journeyed away from the Catholic Church many years, um, I confronted an awful lot of my own doubts and my own questions, which was a good thing. As I look back on it, it was a good thing, because it helped me. It helped me seek answers. One of the things I've noticed about so many people who doubt the faith, who doubt the church, who doubt religion, is that they come up with questions, and they think they're so very smart because they come up with questions. But they don't seek answers. Their attitude seems to be, I have questions. Therefore, it's all questionable. I couldn't live like that. Not in something as, uh, how shall we say, long-lasting repercussions as the faith. 
So this this came from a listener. Dr. A, I do watch your show as well as some other EWTM programming. I take issue with something you said on a recent show that I think is just plain silly. Now, when I get an e-person like that and I see that, I'm it's like, okay, all right, I got a good one here. I, I want to read this. I'm not going to say, oh, gosh, I, didn't, I don't see anything silly. Of course I do. I see a lot of silly things. And I just want to see which particular one she's referring to. Or did she mishear me? And that's a big excuse she can hide behind. Or was there more to it? And in this case, there was more to it. Dr. A, you said that when you were out in the Christian world, now she quoted that, out in the Christian world. That's meaning I was still Christian, I was away from the Catholic Church. That you were told that you could live any way you wanted and you'd still be forgiven. Okay, now that's what she has issue with. Okay. I'm not sure that's exactly what I said. I think what it was. And this again, people will hear bits and pieces of what you say. We're not perfect listeners. Come on, you know that. How many times have you had to defend yourself to somebody and say, that's not what I meant. That's not what I said. There was more to it than that. Here's what I said. I'm pretty sure. I said I could sin, but it would not affect my salvation. It would affect perhaps my relationship with God, my relationship with other people, my faith walk would be immature or misguided. But one of the highest profile preachers on Protestant radio said this, and, I, and he wasn't the only one. He said distinctly, you will not, cannot lose your salvation because you are saved. You're not saved by anything you do, therefore you can't be unsaved by anything you don't do. That was the declaration. And I said... That is, in my opinion, a real flaw in that, in that theology. While it's true, Dr. Ray, that if you confess your sins, God will forgive, if you read the Pauline letters, it says that self-control is one of the gifts of the Spirit. To say that you're free to live any way you want shows a lack of knowledge of the Scriptures. Well, Yes and no. Uh, I can live any way I want, and I would sin. And Scripture is very clear. I need to. Be, I need to repent. True. 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 But the context I was dealing with: Would I lose my salvation? That can't be. If once saved, always saved, which, by the way, is a relatively new perspective, very new perspective in the history of Christianity. If that is now accurate, then in fact, if I was quote-unquote genuinely saved, I couldn't lose it. Now, if I walked away from it, if, in fact, it became so very obvious, I completely reject the faith in every single way I ever did. I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was 14, and I had assurance of salvation, and then as I got older, I just decided to become an atheist. The only response to that, and it is illogical, you weren't saved to begin with, which raises the question, if at any time after... I have the assurance of salvation. 
I can walk away and then know that I was mistaken about my assurance of salvation, then I can't logically have the assurance of salvation. That makes no sense. And that's what I was going for. She said, I thought about becoming Catholic for its structure, but it seems a mishmash of Jewish rites, pagan practices. She calls that praying to saints, referring to Mary as the Queen of Heaven. She calls those pagan practices. So anyway, that I've asked this young lady to call me because I'd like to I'd like to talk to her about these things. If she's honest, if she's honestly searching, as I get older, uh, I find that I am very, very willing, very, very much willing to speak to someone who, who truly has, kind of an, an honest seeking. Very, very much honest seeking. But I don't want to debate people anymore. Okay, let's see, where is that? Okay, so that has already been taken care of. This is someone that I've already answered. Let me find another one here. Okay, this, this, came, this came before Christmas, and obviously we're reading this after Christmas. My family is not vaccinated. And our in-laws are requiring negative COVID tests for us in order to celebrate at their home. The rest of the family, meaning the extended family, I believe, are vaccinated. But they can also spread COVID. That's, that is true, all right? But they aren't required to test. I'm conflicted for my five children. I won't get tested, and so I won't go. Should I allow my children, three of whom are over 18, to decide for themselves? I don't want to be separated from my kids on Christmas Eve, but I won't test. Now, this brings the issue up of, you know, whether I agree or I don't agree, I can understand her reaction. Don't bully me into doing what you want me to do if you're not being consistent with other people. If, in fact, someone who's been vaccinated can indeed pass on the virus, that's quote-unquote the science, and they're not required, they are not required to have a test. Um, Of course, the implication is, well, because they're vaccinated, they're less likely to have COVID. Well, that's not necessarily true either, but let's say it is. Let's say it is. They're less likely to have severe symptoms of COVID. That seems to be the case. Given that, they're saying to our writer here, don't, don't you come. I don't love you enough. That, I mean, that, I hate to put it personal like that, but that's what I'm seeing. I'm just seeing this family after family after family after family where the people are saying, if you don't do it this way, don't come. You know, which raises a real question for me. In the words of the Bee Gees song way back, I believe, probably in the 70s, how deep is your love? Because... If indeed I think that you are going to minusculely risk me, even though maybe you've had COVID, even though you're asymptomatic, you got no symptoms, I'm not going to take that chance anyway because you could come down with it a day or two later. Don't come. Get away. My experience in those situations is it's not true all the way because fear fear dominates people but 
my experience is the relationships that do that don't have a history of being all that strong anyway. I've seen it in families all over the place. And if you could probe the history of the relationship, you might find that it was a little wobbly. A little threadbare, maybe. It's been my experience. You make of it what you want. Now, her question is, should I let the 18-year-olds go? I probably would say you can go. If it's your decision, you can go. But we're going to have Christmas here at such and such a time. I mean, you're not going to necessarily choose one family over the other. Here's our Christmas. If you want your gifts, in essence, here's when we're doing it. Whether it's Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, I don't know when, what her schedule is. Um, but I do think, I do think in a lot of ways, she's resisting. She's saying, I don't want to be bullied about this. Now, one might say, Dr. A, she's not being bullied. She's just being asked to be safe. That's what she's being asked to be do. Okay. But if in fact, if in fact... Something like the vaccine is so necessary. Why are there so many carve-outs? Why are so many groups like the post office not required to get it? Why are the folks coming over the border not required to get it? Why are people under 100 in employment not required to get it? Somebody could ask that question. If it is so absolutely necessary, why are there so many exceptions? Just, just ask it. When you talk about the Reformation, you often hear talk of five solas. Sola Scriptura, Sola Fide, Sola Gratia, Solus Christus, and Soli Deo Gloria. Catholics have no serious problem with Solus Christus or Sola Gratia. The problems are with Sola Scriptura and Sola Fide. Catholics will maintain that Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone, is itself unscriptural. Where in Scripture does Scripture refer to itself as the only infallible authority that we have? It's also illogical to say that you stand on Scripture alone presupposes that you know what Scripture is. And Frankly, we don't know what Scripture is because it's a tradition that we've inherited. We don't establish it. We know what counts as Holy Scripture because Catholic bishops detected that certain texts were inspired by God. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I want you to have such confidence in the Lord that you'll find such hope and see the beauty of the Lord, the majesty of God. What did our Lord say, huh? If your sins are as scarlet, oh, what? What's going to happen? They shall be made white as snow. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Do you wish you could have discussions about difficult topics with your adult children? If so, don't worry. You're not alone. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. And our new book, Having Meaningful, Sometimes Difficult Conversations with Your Adult Sons and Daughters, can help you draw closer to your adult children and help guide them on the path to more faithful and meaningful lives. You can get our latest book and all of our other books on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. That's AveMariaRadio.net. 
I love your show, and I love the practical advice. very nice to be with you what a privilege what a privilege i get to sit here and sip a diet coke i get to talk with you my father who worked 43 years in a factory that was 100 degrees in the winter time his kid his kid gets to sit in some air-conditioned studio sipping pop and talking with folks she as i've said before in this program my grandfather who came from italy when he was 17, had no car. I mean, they didn't they didn't drive. None of my grandparents drove. And he walked to work every day, three years. No, I'm sorry, three miles. Worked at Republic Steel in Canton, Ohio. Just walked, no matter what. Rain, snow, snow, shine, snow, whatever, he walked. I could only picture Papa. Raymond, what do you do for a living? Oh, uh, Papa, I, uh, I talk. You talk. Is that all? Well, yeah, pretty much. They pay you for that? He's like, what are you doing? He goes, I can talk. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of how wonderfully I talk, this came from Michael. Um, I think he says, I think you should be required listening for everyone, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. There's... There's the compliment, and then I'm getting nervous because, then he says, but, of course, there's always a but, and a big but. I was just listening to your show, to your conversation with the woman who had just lost her very loyal pet of many years. You showed great compassion. Well, thank you. And not, not too many people accuse me of that one. And your advice was good. But, you got the butt scattered all over this thing. Sounded like people smoking and just flinging down their butts. I was hoping you would also have said to her, give it a little time to grieve before buying another pet. Here's what happened. Her pet of many, many years. She lost her pet. And because of that, she was she was devastated. I, mean, I think it was only a week week since. And she's crying, and she missed her pet, and she was she was she was really shook. And I talked about the idea of perhaps attaching to another pet, not not to replace, not to show disloyalty, but just just to in fact have someone. If, it, if that pet meant so much to you, because she was alone, her husband had passed away some some years ago, and and the pet in in fact had had filled up a lot of the hole. All right, mm-hmm, where's it at here? Going here. My friend, who is a great dog lover, lost several of her quote-unquote babies over the years. (laughs) Put babies in quotes. And she did replace them, but it was a process of waiting. I don't remember if it was three, six, or nine months, but yes, she had to give it a little time. And maybe, little by little, your caller could retire a few of her pet's pictures that she has everywhere. Okay. Then he says, please forgive me for kibitzing. No, I'm not, nothing to forgive. You're allowed to kibitz. And this is, this, is why I took, this is why I took this E-person. 
as I have no professional degrees or certifications as you do. You know, you're right, Michael. I, I don't have a subspecialty in animal psychology. I think this reflects a lot of misconception out there, which is because you're a shrink, because you have some letters after your name, and because you've been doing it. And the big thing is you've been doing it. That's far more instructive than the letters after your name. You've been doing it for decades. That somehow you have some third eye, some 40 more IQ points about every possible question in life. I wrote back to Michael. I said, Michael, what I gave this lady was my opinion. She'd take it or leave it. I don't know if it'll work out. She may say, I tried to replace my puppy and it was horrible. It was just horrible. I couldn't relate to this dog. It was, it was just something that made me miss my dog even more. That could happen. Sure. Or she could say, it was the best thing I ever did. Now, I have no way of knowing that. I suggested that to her. As one option. It wasn't predicated upon some kind of special clinical knowledge of people who've lost pets. At the most, you could say, well, because I deal with a lot of sad people, and because a small percentage of them are sad over the loss of a pet, maybe I have a bigger sample size with which to make a decision. And my experience is that 62.56% of them feel better if they, in fact, get another pet. Okay. But that doesn't mean the other 37-plus percent are going to feel better. They feel worse. I don't know. The one with the odds. So I suggested it as a possibility. Not necessarily based on having a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. Based upon you know, my own inclination and maybe unspoken history with pet lovers and i think i also mentioned that we did that with with our first dog we had a dog from the pound called max max was a neurotic dog 80 pounds black mouth cur they can climb trees interesting dog but he was neurotic he had been mistreated i'm sure of it and he wasn't he was aloof so when Max died, it was tough. It was hard. Uh, my little daughter, Joanna, at age 16, had gone through chemotherapy, and Max stayed by her side. So that, that, was, that, was, that was a pretty good thing, you got to admit. So we went out, and, and probably more than a day or two later, we, we, we got Tank. We brought Tank home, and that was the right name for him. He's a 110-pound Rottweiler. And he quickly, quickly moved into our family and, and helped us. As, as memory of Max faded. Now, unfortunately, about a month ago, we put Tank down, too. But we still got Delta. And um, she's, she's done a remarkable job at, uh, at filling a little bit of the gap that, that Tank left in the life of our family and the snot on the windows and the hair on the floor and the pee on the carpet. <clears throat> we didn't do that too much. So, to sum it all up, Michael, was more or less just my own kind of predilection regarding a suggestion that uh, well, might, might work for her. It was not any kind of psychologically correct, formulaic, here's what you do when you lose a pet. 
I think Michael knows that. But I just wanted to use that email as the as the jumping off point to say that not everything, and maybe not most, of what shrink types say is necessarily grounded in some kind of elite understanding, formulaic understanding of what to do absolutely correctly in every situation. That is not the way it is. Alrighty. Thank you. Ray Grady. E person, or in this case, E animal. Monday. EWTN Family Prayer with Father Joseph. Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me our EWTN Family Prayer. Today we pray for those who are suffering with Parkinson's disease. Lord Jesus Christ, consolation of the afflicted, you are our refuge. We pray for those who are suffering the effects of Parkinson's disease. As they lose their physical strength and abilities, increase their spiritual strength and abilities. Renew their inner spirit day after day, and through their share in your sufferings, give the grace of conversion to sinners. In their weakness, reveal your strength. Give peace and joy to those who care for them. Amen. Christ is the Answer, with Father John Ricardo. Let us strive to know the Lord. Quick question to you and me right now. Is that what you and I are doing every single day? When you and I wake up every day, do we strive to know Jesus or not? In the Old Testament, in the same book of Hosea, a little bit later on, it's in chapter 14, the Lord says through the prophet, my people perish, or in another translation, my people are being destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Not a lack of data, we got tons of data. Not a lack of information, we got a lot of information. Not just about things that are happening in the world, we got a lot of data, a lot of knowledge, a lot of information about God. But not a lot of intimacy with God. Not a lot of relationship with God. Not a lot of friendship. That's the cry of God's heart. God wants to give himself to us in the incredible gift of friendship, and we're not taking advantage of it. The doctor will see you now. Dr. Ray Garendi, an old-fashioned dad trapped in an aging middle-aged... No, no, I don't say middle-aged. I would mean I'd live to be 190. Trapped in an aging psychologist's body. No, it could actually be anything I fantasize to be being trapped. East German shot perder, power lifter trapped in a 170-pound body. All right. I sometimes go to breakfast places because I do editing on an upcoming book or past books or something like that. I like to sit and sip, have coffee and a little breakfast. It's really nice. And I particularly enjoy it at Christmas time because everything's all decorated up and I've got these memories of when I was a kid and Christmas is so cool because you got two weeks off of school. 
Well, <clears throat> I was eating breakfast at a diner. Um, sitting, and I, I had a cup of coffee, but no, but no spoon. So, uh, you know, I'm going to try to have some fun with this. So I tried to get the server's attention. I, I said, excuse me, ma'am, um, it's coffee. It's, uh, it's a little too hot to stir with my finger. She smiled. I thought, okay, cool. This is fun. She got the humor. It worked. A minute later, she came back. She had another cup of coffee. She said, here, try this. This, this coffee's not so hot. <laughs> so I did. All righty. E-Person Monday. Doctor is in. Let's see what we got. Okay, this is... Let me preface this whole thing. Come on. Um, all too often when we get into discussions, if you will, with people who, these are moral issues. These are abortion, living together, divorce, contraception, those kinds of things. The kind of traditionally historic moral issues. They, they were there. They were there from the beginning. We, <clears throat> we tend to rely upon God as our witness, which obviously is accurate. However, the people we're discussing don't read they're not moved by that they either don't buy it they don't even buy this god thing because you're you're pushing your god morals upon them or they they buy it but they come at god from a different direction for example in abortion they they use love they would say you know jesus said to love so therefore you have to love these moms who are in these situations and are are in fact struggling and that's true you do love them but their definition of God love means you let the person do what they want to do. Okay, so when I get into discussions with people, I generally don't use the God argument. Like I say, they can dismiss it, they can devalue it, they can uh, redefine it. But here's the nice thing about God, among the many nice things about God. If God exists. And if he says, here is the moral way to live, then the moral way to live makes the most sense without leaning on God to say, God says it, therefore. You've got logic on your side. You've got reason on your side. Now, reason may not move people, of course, but at least... At least you're discussing the issue on shared turf. You start calling in God, and they don't buy God, or they do buy God as they define him. Forget it. You're going to get nowhere. Now, that's my preface before I go to, who am I going to here? Virginia. When I am talking about abortion, I have experienced many Christians who are for abortion. Now, that's true, by the way. Uh, most, I wouldn't say most, but a very high percentage of uh, non-Catholic Christians uh, acknowledge some degree of a woman's choice. They do. Okay. Now, this is not historic Christian morality, but that's come around to that point these days, or these past centuries. Here's their argument. These friends and acquaintances feel that if there is no longer abortion... These babies would be in unloved homes because they were not wanted. 
and that we have many children coming from unfit homes. It was brought up to me about the criminals in prison who came from unfit homes. I know myself that I've worked with challenged children in the school system for 37 years, that some of our children do come from unfit homes. Uh, okay, then she, she goes to talk about, talking about the children under the first three years, etc. Okay, here is, I believe, the approach that when someone says, I'm being loving, because these children were going to go into bad circumstances. First thing I would say, and again, in keeping and asking questions, I would say, how do you know which ones of them will survive and thrive their circumstances and which ones won't? Do you know that? Well, most of them would not. Okay. Let's just say most of them would not. What about the ones who would? 10%? 15%? What, what about those? Are you saying that... It's okay to end their life because they just happen to be part of a group that overall could be at risk for a tough life. Is that what you're saying? See what they say. Then say this. Are you also saying that lives don't change? In other words, do criminals never turn from the way they were? Do drug addicts eventually kick the drugs and maybe even become preachers are you are you saying that people have no chance if they're born into bad circumstances and live in bad circumstances for twenty years that they have no chance zero chance of turning from those is that what you're saying I just want to know if that's what you're saying make them defend their stance you don't you don't defend it you make them defend it I want to hear what you're saying then I would say Okay, let's say there's a, a percentage that that can make it. Who decides? Obviously, the mother decides, right? The mother decides. So you're saying that the mother has infallible knowledge about which, which kid's going to be okay? Then I would say this. I would say, well, um, statistically speaking, an awful lot of children are aborted who would be born into decent circumstances. College-educated mother, that's, that's a real high percentage of abortions. So, so in fact, not do you, are you saying every single one of these things, things <laughs> every single one of these children would be born into circumstances that are automatically awful? Is that what you're saying? How about this? If we were able to ask a baby in a womb, if you're going to be born into very bad circumstances, would you rather we killed you? Well, what do you think they'd say? Here's a question. People who are truly in bad circumstances, they are in horrid, horrid, horrid prisons where they're abused and mistreated. And we said, would you like us to kill you? Would that be better? The vast majority of them would say no. They prefer life over the most wretched circumstances. This argument is so completely, totally flawed at so many levels. You don't have to believe in God to see how absolutely shallow such an argument is. 
And if you say to them, well, they're playing God, don't say that because, in fact, if they don't buy God or they don't believe God is what, who you think God is, then they, 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 their attitude is, it's okay to play God. No, you have to, you have to ask them, okay. But I think the most powerful argument is those people who are, in fact, in the worst possible circumstances, if you said to them, well, there's no doubt now, you're really in horrible, miserable circumstances. Would we? Would it be better if we killed you? What percentage of them would you think, yeah, yeah, now that I think about it, probably so. Yeah, I'm tired of living this way. Very small. Very, very small. Take it from a shrink. So, in fact, Virginia, that might be some of the way I approach some of these folks. Get them to explain exactly, get them past this cliche, stereotyped, you know, if they're unwanted, it would be better if they're not born. Better that they die. Excuse me. You know, in a funny sort of way, this is happening with COVID. Because there's, this is sad, but there are high-profile medical people saying, one, either don't treat them, or, or put them at the bottom of the list. Well, wait a minute. Well, if we're going to do that, because that's risky what we believe they did not get in the vaccine, well, let's do that then with every person who comes in who's lived a risky lifestyle. What about the drug addict? Why bring him back? What about somebody who's 200 pounds overweight and diabetic and heart problems? You know, he brought that on himself. Should we put him at the end of the line too? I mean, what kind of thinking is this? But it just shows you and I've learned to live with this as you shrink. It just shows you reason and logic for many, many, perhaps most, is not the way most people guide their lives. I'm Dr. Ray. Doctor? 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 Doctor Ray has more great advice coming up. Don't go anywhere. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. Father John Ricardo served as our spiritual director, and he gave us a theme on which to speak. He asked all the speakers to address this statement in some way, shape, or form, because of you, I know God. And that hit me and Deacon Dominic when he first put that out there, like a ton of bricks. Because basically, that's our story. And I believe if we stop and think about this, because of someone in our life, whether it be maybe a relative or maybe someone at work or maybe someone on the street, who was it that witnessed to you? And because of that person, you either came to know the Lord or know him and your one holy Catholic and apostolic church better and more intimately. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. 
Did you know Franciscan University of Steubenville offers a Master's of Arts in Catholic Studies? Our unique program offers courses from many academic disciplines, literature, biology, art, theology, psychology, all taught from a distinctly Catholic perspective. This 100% online program can be completed in just one year. Learn to see the world through a Catholic lens with a Master's in Catholic Studies from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find out more at franciscan.edu slash mcs. This was sent to me long ago. I'll close up the show with this because I don't have time for another e-person. His three children were outside, still in their pajamas, playing in the mud, with empty food boxes and wrappers strewn all around the front yard. Door of his wife's car was open, as was the front door to the house, and there was no sign of the dog. Proceeding into the house, he found an even bigger mess. A lamp had been knocked over, and the throw rug was wadded against the wall. In the front room, the TV was loudly blaring a cartoon channel, and the family's room was strewn with toys and various items of clothing. In the kitchen, dishes filled the sink. Breakfast food was spilled on the counter. The fridge door was wide open. Dog food was spilled on the floor. Broken glass lay under the table, and a small pile of sand was spread by the back door. He ran quickly upstairs, stepping over toys and more piles of clothes, looking for his wife. He was worried she may be ill or that something serious had happened. He was met by a small trickle of water that made its way out the bathroom door. As he peered inside, he found wet towels, scummy soap, and more toys strewn over the floor. Scads of toilet paper lay in a heap. Toothpaste had been smeared over the sink. He rushed into the bedroom, and he found his wife, still curled up in bed with her pajamas, reading a novel. She looked at him and smiled and asked how his day went. He looked at her. What happened here today? She smiled and said, You know, every day when you come home from work and you ask me just what I did all day today? Yeah. Well, today I didn't do it. I learned this lesson back when we had, well, I think one kid. Because I saw what my wife did to make that house run. And I saw the repetitive nature of what she did. Oh, yeah, I, I, took, I took a lot of uh, preening on myself because I, I painted a wall, you know. I do the, I do the more permanent stuff. I, I paint things. I, I fix things. I nail up a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> well, that dear woman... Did laundry every day, cooked, cleaned, carted kids around, taught them. I, well, I know one thing. I may have been able to do all that, maybe. But one thing I know, I couldn't have done it as good as she did. And I learned early on in our kids, don't ever... Do what some husbands do to their wives, which I think is awful. Get a job. You don't even work for a living. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let let the guy stay at home orchestrating two, three, four, five kids, six kids, seven kids for two weeks. He'll shut up. He won't say that. 
Now, unless some guys be thinking, yeah, but my wife really doesn't, she's not responsible, she doesn't follow through. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the wives who are conscientious and responsible and who still get accused and told, okay, well, why can't you get a part-time job? Can't you do something? Especially when one income is enough to run the household. We were fortunate that way. And so we kept adding kids, and I kept becoming more and more befuddled by how she made it run every day. She actually said it got tougher when I got home. But that's, that's a story for another radio show. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it so very much. Walk with God. Hold those you love tightly by the hand. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Masterpiece Theatre. On this episode, Shakespearean actor Richard Ritter David Palmer Joe McLean Thirteenth will perform a monologue on the importance of sending a monthly pledge to the GRN. Catholic radio never sounded so sweet to thine own ear as when it's tuned to the Guadalupe Radio Network. Alas! I must send in my monthly pledge by logging on to grnonline.com and clicking Donate. From the University of Dallas and as seen on EWTN. What can I do that is the definite service that God wants me to give to the world? Think of the the challenges that we have coming from our culture. We really need the virtue of courage. Are you ready to put yourself into the hazard? Are you ready to say yes to the call? Are you ready to be a witness to love? The Quest. All episodes streaming now at quest.udallas.edu. Join Holy Spirit for their first annual Holy Spirit Golf Tournament at the Canyon Springs Golf Course. Friday, June 3rd. Go golfing with great friends. Enjoy fun and food. Shotgun start is at 8 a.m. This will be a tournament to remember, and all proceeds will benefit Holy Spirit Catholic Church. For more information, visit the website holyspiritgolftournament.org or call the parish office at 210-341-1395. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Streaming to the world at grnonline.com and on your FM dial at 89.7. We're KJMA, Floresville, San Antonio. All Catholic, all the time. You have the opportunity to be an active part of the GRN family by making a pledge of support for your radio station. Please pray for the success of the Sherathon. We are so very thankful that you are part of the Lord's divine providence, sharing of your prayers and financial gifts, which sustain the work of evangelization through the powerful means of radio. I invite you to tune in and join us next week as we share how Catholic Radio has changed so many lives for all eternity due to your support to keep your station on the air. This is Len Oswald, President of the Guadalupe Radio Network, 
with your GRN Family Minute. We are your Catholic Radio, radio for your soul.